Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. What up, PC Kip Otters? Welcome back to the program. What's going on, fantasy-focused community? Bobby and Sky back with you for another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. We have a special guest on today, our man Aaron Larson, who is a staff writer for the Fantasy Footballers. He also contributes to many other companies as well in the fantasy football space. We're going to get him on in just a couple of minutes. But today we are doing the ADP risers and fallers for fantasy football. We've got a couple high-priced names who have gone up and down in the first couple of rounds and a couple sleepers and breakout guys in those categories who have been fluctuating as well as camp has been underway. And we've had a couple preseason games finally. But before we get into that, let's check in with Bob. Bob, how are you feeling on episode 441, my man? I'm ready. To, I love these midday recordings we do. I'm much fresher, ready to tackle the, <laughs> the episode. I'm also excited. We're on a hot streak with our guests, so I'm excited for this one too. Likewise, man. I'm very excited. For those of you tuning in via the fantasy-focused community, if you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, Twitch, or Periscope, feel free to jump in on us. Jump in the comment section and let us know where you're coming from. Let us know your city and your state so we can get to know everybody. And also, give us any sort of question you may have on ADP risers or fallers. We are getting a lot of draft questions this time of year, keeper questions and things. You're welcome to ask those, but depending on the amount we get, we might not be able to get to all of them because they're all very specific. But feel free to jump in the comments, and we'll get to as many as possible. All right, we have uh, buried the lead long enough. Let's bring in our friend Aaron Aaron Larson. Welcome to the program, my man. It's really great to have you on, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for the invite. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Excellent. So we have you're coming out of the Midwest. And you uh, are a staff writer via the Twitter page on uh, the fantasy footballers, but I know that you wear many hats. So why don't you introduce us to the TCK Potters and the fantasy focus community and let us know exactly what you're rocking with. Yeah. Um, uh, high school teacher by day, but yeah, staff writer for the, uh, the fantasy footballers. Uh, this will be my, my third season writing for them. Uh, you know, we're rolling almost through the off season here. Uh, once we get into the, regular season schedule i'd write a uh, a target report article every week for them so that usually comes out on tuesdays um and then you can find me a couple other places um i write uh some dfs focused articles for uh team riser fall so funny we're talking risers and fallers <laughs> today perfect um and then i do my my own um independent podcast it comes out thursday mornings and it's literally just me talking into a microphone about what I like and dislike for the week for about 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and that's called the process fantasy football podcast. So that's uh, just in season. So there's nothing there since last year, but that'll be coming back this year too. Love that. We're up to 441 episodes, Aaron. So we know all about yeah, that's impressive. talking, talking into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we know all about it. Bobby are doing Bobby and I are doing this five days a week. And we also do a Sunday morning kickoff show as well. So those of you tuning in, make sure to kick uh, kick in an hour before kickoff via the YouTubes, and we'll get into your start sits. All right, man. Well, we're very excited to have you on here. And these risers and followers are interesting in ADP, right? I mean, like guys like us follow this stuff, and and gals, people like us in the space follow ADP from basically like March <laughs> through the draft <laughs> yeah. season, through free agency, yeah. through you know, uh, camp and then, you know, preseason is where we really start to see the needle moving. We have guys coming back from injury who look amazing or maybe aren't participating as much as we like. We have guys, unfortunately, that get hiccups during training camp. We have position battles. We have QB battles. We have incoming rookies. We have veterans getting phased out. There's a lot of different things that go down in just these last couple of weeks. So even though we've been pounding the pavement for six months, it feels 
really the nitty gritty happens in the last three to four, five weeks. And of course, for the next two weeks coming up. So Bobby, I'm going to defer to you here, man. Why don't you kick us off with how you want to get through this year? We got our charts up. So on the YouTube side, you can see our charts will be in the background on video. Walk we'll through everything for the podcasters. We'll talk you through it best we can. Bob, we'll turn to you. Yeah, before we do, we like to give our guests a little warm-up question, you know, a hot topic to get the juices flowing before we get to the good stuff. And this hot topic is brought to you by all one of our sponsors, Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Go to SeekTheSpice.com and use that promo code TCK to get 10% off your order. So, Aaron, our question for you today is one of our risers. It's actually Sony Michelle. We've actually seen his stock rise all the way to right around pick 100. So my question really for you is, Aaron, are you buying Sony Michelle now at his new current ADP? Or are you fading him at that price? Uh, I, I'm still fading him. So I think that Sony Michelle, like this is really a bigger thing with, uh, with Daryl Henderson, right? Like he, instead of becoming Sony Michelle being relevant, I think he'll have his weeks uh, where he scores a touchdown, maybe two. But I think they'll be so unpredictable. But it just kind of torpedoes the... It's the ceiling that, that uh, Henderson had, right? It was kind of looking like he was going to be that guy. And we've been waiting for this for uh, basically since the Acres injury. So, I, you know, Sony Michelle was undraftable, if you ask me, before this. Um, now, yeah, he's one of those guys, if you want to take that late round flyer, because we're not going to know what's happening in the preseason. We're not going to see these guys. Sean McVay doesn't show us hand or show us cards in preseason. So maybe see what happens in week one. Um, but I'm, I'm not a fan of drafting him even at his increased price. Yeah. And I think really when it comes down to, uh, for, for Sony Michelle, it's just that Henderson now has a clearer backup. We kind of know if Henderson goes down, it's probably going to be Sony Michelle. We were trying to figure out Jake Funk, which would have been fun just to say his <laughs> yeah. name every week. So Absolutely. I'm a little bad about that. Uh, and also Xavier Jones was getting a lot of hype too. So that kind of gives us a little bit clearer idea. If there's Henderson, who's been oft injured does go down. I think Michelle will definitely be the clear guy. All right, so that's a good little warm-up. We appreciate that. But let's get into the actual ADP risers and fallers. Now, the biggest thing we're going to be talking about today is understanding where these guys are going and why we kind of highlight them. Early rounds, you're not going to see big gaps, but there's guys that are slipping one or maybe two spots, and that's going to be really notable for draft season, especially in the first two rounds. Once we start getting a little bit later, we'll start highlighting guys that are you know, moving up 10, 15 spots, maybe by a round or two. So let's talk first about our ADP risers, because we like to start off on a positive note. So this is kind of just the list you're going to see on your screen. So right now we have three guys I want to talk about first with you, Aaron. The first one is Jonathan Taylor. The second one's Antonio Gibson. And the third one is Najee Harris. These guys are all now consensus typically going in the first 15 picks. We just saw Harris now move up a one another spot. Also, Antonio Gibson's now going closer to that two one two turn. And Jonathan Taylor's bounced back with the news with Carson Wentz now back in the fold and looking like he's going to play week one. So of those three guys, which one are you buying the most and actually higher on in ADP? Or are you fading all three guy, guys now that they're moving up? Uh, I'm still in on all these guys, to be honest with you. I've I mean, they're they're all young guys. They're right in that age group you want to be for a, you know a bell cow running back. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. This just seems kind of like a correction, right? You kind of alluded to that <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson got injured. He just torpedoed in his ADP, and it seems to be kind of correcting. So I'm still I'm still buying him, but um, of the three of them, the guy I'm most likely to end up with is definitely Najee Harris. I think that. I mean, he is every indication, right? Pittsburgh has been basically signaling since before the draft that they were going to take him to be the bell cow back. Um, a lot gets made, you know, of the Steelers offensive line. And I think that's another overblown thing too, right? Like uh, he's not the same player. Don't get me wrong here, but we don't talk a lot about Christian McCaffrey's offensive line either. Like the Panthers don't have it a great line. Um, Najee Harris, he catches the ball a lot better than I think most people realize. So he is a, a three down back and just with that ability. So I, I like all three of these guys. Gibson, honestly, Gibson gives me a little bit of pause just because of what we've seen in the preseason where it seems like McKissick is still getting that third down work. So of the three, Harris is the one that I'm most likely to end up with. I, I, I agree. 
Aaron, with everything that you said, really. And I've been, I've been kind of trying to celebrate the narrative here that Najee Harris doesn't catch passes because I think you're getting value on him because of this. I, I think, you know, Jonathan Taylor is also a little bit nervous for me. I have him at number 12 also, so I'm lower on him too. And with Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson, uh, I'm more concerned about this offense in general here with the Colts. And Antonio Gibson, I've been rising as well. And Najee Harris has kind of been top 12, top 10 for me this entire time because I thought as he came back, I mean, there's a reason that Pittsburgh went after him at number 24. They could have had, you know, they had the pick of the litter and they went, they have many other needs on offense and on defense. And they went with a running back. And uh, we know that Mike Tomlin wants to have his bell cows. So I like Najee Harris here, but Antonio Gibson so far is the highest at number nine for me. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the next guy on our list. Now, the, those are the key guys in the first two rounds. We're going to bump it down a little bit to our next group which is Deontay uh, Johnson. So Deontay Johnson, for me, for a long time, we know the target upside. We know that he was featured. He was the heir apparent maybe to Antonio Brown, and we kind of saw that huge target ceiling. And as you can see on your screen, he's starting to creep up now into that you know 3-4 turn range. He's now getting drafted maybe ahead of certain guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, definitely going ahead of Tyler Lockett. So, Aaron, give us your two cents on Deontay Johnson. Is he someone that you're buying at that range at the 3-4 turn? So... Yeah, I, it's close because I really do like Deontay Johnson, and he is he's the safest sealer receiver. I am not a big believer in um, you know drops being a negative thing. I mean, I get it. They're not a good thing. But if, until it affects playing time, which, again, it, it did a little bit with Deontay Johnson, but he's getting these targets. He's been a complete target uh, monster when he's out there. But with that all being said, uh, two other guys you mentioned I'm drafting before him, and that's Chris Godwin and that's Tyler Lockett. Uh, I think those guys are just going to be in a better spot to have those, those bigger those bigger games and maybe be a little bit more consistent than, than Deontay Johnson. So I like him, but I like those other guys a little bit better, so I'm not ending up with him quite as much. So, you know, before we move on, we did have a question that's a little topical, and one of our followers just jumped in here and asked about stacking Bucks wide receivers because he's high on the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is good because those guys are going right around Deontay Johnson. So, Aaron, are you taking either Mike Evans, Chris Godwin? Are you willing to go, you know, two Bucks receivers, maybe A-B later if you already have Mike Evans? What's your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, so of the Bucks receivers, I'm definitely highest on Godwin just because I think he is – the most consistent, the most reliable, and he fits what Tom Brady does well, the best. I think we kind of got a little bit of a, a discount on him right now because of that little injury hiccup he had last year. Um, Mike Evans has been one of my favorite guys for years, but I am concerned that he is – I mean, he's there's a few guys in the league that you can count to get touchdown production. He's still in that group, but when he doesn't get touchdowns, He's not the, the target hog that, that Godwin can be and that Antonio Brown can be. So if I had to rank them, it would be Godwin, Evans, Brown. But as far as who I'm going to end up drafting, I'm never going to get Mike Evans because he's going before I'm taking him. Gotcha. So just to circle back on Deontay Johnson, the one thing I do like to highlight is that if you just remove the games he left early and you take out those two games, his points per game jumps to 14. And that's actually would have been the wide receiver 12 last year. So there is room from based on his volume last year and what he was getting to produce wide receiver one numbers. But of course, the drops will always give you a little bit of a headache, but those aren't sticky year to year. So hopefully he can get that fixed and we can move forward from there. So the next guy we're going to be talking about on our risers list, if you're following us on YouTube, uh, the next guy we want to talk about is James Robinson. This guy has went from no one wants him. It's Travis ETN. ETN goes down. I actually had to update his actual ADP for earlier than just a week because his ADP is now in the third round. He's going at 35th overall on average. So right there, he's going premium one at uh, the two, uh, three, four turn. He's also going, you know, probably ahead of some really good receivers. So what's your thoughts, Aaron, on James Robinson? Are you buying him at his new price tag? Um, so I just want to say I've been kind of a best ball degenerate this summer a little bit. And <laughs> Before the ETN injury, I had ETN ranked higher, but I think I've done like 36 or 37 best ball drafts. And my most drafted player has been James Robinson because I didn't think he was ever going to go away. 
and how far he had fallen, I was taking him in double digit rounds a lot of times. Um, so anyways, now I, I, I do some projections and I, I plugged it in um, yesterday and it spit out running back 12 for, for Robinson. And I'm like, no, can't, can't do that. That can't be right. Let's rework these numbers a little bit. Um, so long story short, where I've got him right now is running back 19. So I'm a little uncomfortable with it, honestly. But I just I'm not sure that like James Robinson's gonna be the third down guy. That's not gonna be Carlos Hyde. Uh, Urban Meyer gives me a little bit of pause. So third round is such a swing round. It kind of depends on where I drafted and where I am in the third round. Like if I am three one, three two, three three, that's tough because there's a lot of good guys there. But once you get towards the end of the third running back, it dries up really quick and it's going to be Robinson and Hyde. And yeah, maybe LaVisca Chanel is worked in the running game a little bit here and there. He's pretty close to a ceiling though, right now. So it's, I'm right in that range for sure. I have James Robinson at exactly running back number 19 as well. And my whole thing comes down to, I'm with you, Aaron. My whole thing comes down to if, if Travis Etienne hadn't been drafted and let's just say they went with Kadarius Tony, which urban Meyer wants us to believe he was going to do. If they did that, and James Robinson was just the dude coming in. Frankly, after last year's season, he probably would have been 15-plus, right? We just have him so low because they brought in a running back, whatever. Well, the running back's gone now, so we place him right back in there, and I think we might even be fading a little bit here as well. I don't have him – you know, 12 I think would be a little bit rich. But putting him in that 19-15 to 15 range with the opportunity and volume I think is possible. Last year, 290 touches – 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. Volume is volume, but look, you get the volume and you produce. I just did a segment for 10 minutes last episode on Josh Jacobs, who gets the volume, but his efficiency is horrendous if you take away the touchdowns. James Robinson got a lot of volume too, but had a little bit more efficiency and still got the touchdowns on a far worse offense, running back number seven in PPR last year. So I'm okay with James Robinson. And in best ball, if you've been getting James Robinson on accident in late rounds just because <laughs> – you know, I don't want to celebrate uh, an injury, um, but it worked out for you. Um, so I'm okay with James Robinson, and he's a great, I think, RB2, RB3 even. I'm not comfortable with him as my RB1 if I go zero RB maybe, but otherwise I don't want that. But number two or three, absolutely, and you and I are the same here uh, with running back number 19. All right, let's do a quick speed round real quick. All right, Aaron, for you, I'm going to give you the first one. James Robinson, J.K. JK Dobbins. Uh, I'm going to go Robinson just because I think he's going to catch more passes. All right. Sky, this one's for you. David Montgomery or James Robinson? Uh, David Montgomery. Okay. And the last one for you, Aaron, is Miles Sanders or James Robinson? Oh, man, that is tough. Um, we, only, we only have some tough questions on here. Yeah, so. no, that's good. I, I hadn't heard that head to head because I'm like, well, which offense is better? I have no idea. It might both be bad. Um yeah, give me Miles Sanders there. Just that big playability, that game-breaking ability. Okay, so we're going to move on a little bit and go to another guy that's rising huge up draft boards, and that's Jerry Judy. And I think we're all excited now that Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback for this team. We just saw him support three top 25 receivers, so there's a lot of optimism there. The accuracy, also the type of throws that Teddy B excels in, Jerry Judy will dominate in those areas. So right now today, he's going at the 5-6 turn. So, Aaron, the question is, has Jerry Judy gone – too far hi are you still willing to take him in that fifth round i'm still willing to take him again late fifth round if he's my second receiver even i'm feeling okay if he's my third receiver i'm feeling great um you know teddy bridgewater i think that is is good for him i uh, i actually wrote back in june or july um an art basically a profile of here's how jerry judy could break out this year and looking at some of the stuff from last year he had a horrendous catch rate but he also had like the second lowest catchable pass rate or catchable target rate. Like Drew Locke was not hitting him where it needed to be. And then he had that, he had a little bit of a drop problem too, but I think it was like two thirds of his drops came in one really bad game. I think it was the chargers game. Um, And again, like you said, drops aren't that sticky year to year. Uh, You look at his draft pedigree, his profile, you watch the guy run routes. Like he is a talented receiver and if Teddy Bridgewater can get him working in that intermediate range and then hit a couple deep passes, like I know Teddy's not known for that, but he's the, he, the arm is there. He'll take the shots when they're available. So, yeah, late fifth, 
like I said, right, wide receiver three, that would be ideal for me. Yeah, and Aaron, just just so you know, Sky's heard me say this 15,000 times, <laughs> but I apologize. This is, you're the first. I've talked about Jerry Judy a couple of times, but here's some of those stats you just brought up. Last season, outside the top 100 in catchable target rate, target quality, and target accuracy. So right there, there was not catchable balls. This not, wasn't happening for Jerry Judy. But the best part, too, is Teddy Bridgewater, on average, between DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Robbie Anderson, the average, if you blend those together, catchable target rate was average 36, target quality 39, target actually 33rd. So even though it's not like top 15, it's much better than outside the top 100. So that's the good news for him. And one of my favorite stats of all time now is unrealized air yards. Last mm-hmm. season, he was number two in the NFL in unrealized air yards with 965. So plenty of optimism for Jerry Judy. Uh, so I definitely love the fact that you're high on him still in the fifth round. Uh, we're going to move on. We're now going to start heading into the middle rounds. And and one of the guys I was actually kind of surprised that started moving up just a little bit is actually Raheem Moster. He's actually now going at pick, pick 75. That's probably right around that seventh round area. And I'm surprised because all the, the hype for Trey Sermon and, and how great he is. And, and it's almost like Moster got forgot about. So I guess my question for you, Aaron, is first question, Moster or Sermon? And the second question is, are you buying uh, Moster at his ADP? Yeah, I give give me Trey Sermon all day. Um, I don't understand why Raheem Mostert is rising in, in ADP. You know, he he's had some gigantic plays last season. He had a couple breakout plays, and he's had a couple. Uh, I think he played one full season that was pretty good. But you know, this is a what twenty eight, twenty nine year old opt injured guy. He was dealing with a back injury, I believe, already, and I'm. I'm not a big injury prone type of guy, but I've also part, part of this is I'm a big believer in Trey Sermon. Sermon does profile as that like three down typical 49er Shanahan back. I don't feel comfortable drafting Sermon and throwing him into my lineup right away, but I also don't feel great with Raheem Mostert. So I, I'm not going to be having him running back 33. Uh, oh, it's where I have him is it running back 33 <laughs> in my rankings and, it seems like he's going higher than that right now. Now, Sky's right. our local San Francisco 49ers fan. So, Sky, tell us what you're thinking about this most observant situation. Well, with Aaron having him at 33, this is going to come out as a homer call. But I've got him at number 22, and ECR has him at 29. And this strictly comes out to, like, draft day in the first couple of weeks. I also fully expect Trey Sermon to take over sooner than later. And even if he doesn't take over, and if somehow Raheem Mostert stays – healthy which he's only done one season 2019 played 16 but he had 137 carries 14 receptions finishes the ppr running back number 26 last year only played eight games hadn't played more than 11 before that in his career so durability is obviously an issue you mentioned the back issue left practice wednesday he's back trey sermon's got a knee thing but it's the 49ers backfield this is what we do every single year this is what we do we have six guys in the backfield Everybody gets 120 touches, and everybody scores eight touchdowns. You just have to pick the right dude on the right week. I think it's going to be Moser for at least the first month, especially with Jimmy in there. Just the continuity in the offense is going to be the best. And then once they go to Trey after the bye week, and then they go to Trey Sermon, then I think it's going to be kind of a double-edged sword. We saw last year Jeff Wilson coming out of nowhere for non-49er fans. He came out of nowhere and had eight touchdowns, right? So we saw Jermichael Hasty have a huge game. I mean, a lot of these guys just pop out of nowhere because of the offense. I expect him to be that guy. He's another dude that's falling and falling. He's rising a little bit currently because people are unsure about this offense, but I think in general from last year, the expectation, he's falling in my opinion um, to a place where I'm totally welcome to have him, again, as an RB3 or so. And uh, he could be a weak winner with the upside, and he's going to have a decent floor, catches the ball a little bit more, and people give him credit for it as well. I think when it comes down to the Trey Sermon discussion and, and, and Raheem Moser, just remember prior to like 2018, it was just bell cow Kyle Shanahan, one dominant guy. And then 2018, Matt Breida couldn't stay healthy. Raheem Moser couldn't stay. It's like it just keeps getting hurt. So I think Sermon, if you're in any keeper format, you should be taking yeah. maybe a round or two ahead of where his ADP Absolutely. is because – if you can keep him for the sixth round or seventh round, it's a it's a must-do because I think long-term he's going to be great. All right, we're going to start heading towards the late rounds, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the wide receivers that we're starting to see rise up draft boards. The first one is Corey Davis. He's now going inside the top 100, where he should probably have been going the whole time. He looks to be a very the number one target for Zach Wilson. The next guy is Jalen Waddell, which I think the Dolphins receiver as a whole kind of been quiet, you know, 
Some guys are a Parker believer. Some guys like Will Fuller after his big year. So love to get some thoughts about Jalen Waddle. Mark uh, Callaway, by the way, who is like the new hotness. I mean, did you see the two touchdowns? Now Jameis Winston's the starter. Forget about it. To the moon. I love it. And finally, Jacoby Myers. I think the forgotten man in New England's no longer forgotten. I think a lot of people early in the offseason were touting Myers as a sleeper. But this guy is rising real fast now, and he's very popular. So, of those wide receivers, Aaron, who's kind of the one the guy that you're really targeting the most? And just give us your general feedback about this group. Yeah, so some of this comes up to, you know, how you're building your team. That's, uh, you know, always got to have that that lens or whatever. Uh, Jalen Waddell, I absolutely love his his ceiling and what he could potentially be. Does he get there this year? I, I don't know. But he has that, that game-breaking ability. And I'm really big on Tua taking a big second-year jump. I love what the team's doing around him. I love the uh, new offensive coordinators, the dual <laughs> coordinators, actually building an offense for Tua. Because last year, that offense, Chan Gailey's offense, wasn't built for Tua. So, And I think Waddle is going to be that big play guy that can take over the number, number one role. So I'm a little hesitant to take him and rely on him. But again, if, you had, if he's the fourth, fifth receiver on your team, I love having that ceiling. Uh, as far as the Marquez Callaway goes, I, I get it, but I think I'm staying away. I kind of liked him when he was almost free last kind of pick. Yeah. But, you know, he's right. I get it. He, it that was a great uh, preseason he's been having. But as an undrafted guy who – it's like Michael Thomas, I get it. He's not going to be around. But if you draft Callaway, know your league. Maybe you know that if Callaway comes out the first couple of weeks and you're an active league that you could trade him away. But when Michael Thomas comes back, that he's going to be the guy that's you know dominating those targets. So I just am a little worried about about him. Jacoby Myers, like he kind of mentioned, I think he is getting back to where he probably should have been this whole time. So when it comes down to these receivers, number one, Corey Davis, I think, still is someone you should be targeting. Number one, just the fact that Zach Wilson has looked the part is great news for him. But also, Corey Davis does know somewhat of this offense because Matt LaFleur was his OC. Now Mike LaFleur is his OC, and he kind of worked under this system with Arthur Smith. So I don't think he's a true like new receiver. I think he does know some of the terminology that's going to be with this offense. So we've kind of shown it. He's really hit the ground running plus no real pat tight end threat. Besides Elijah Moore, there really isn't anybody else on that team that scares you. I know Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder are some nice players, but I think Corey Davis is going to be that one from this group. All right, let's go even deeper now. Now, there's a couple late-round running backs that I kind of want to touch on all together here, too. First one's Giovanni Bernard, the pass-catching specialist for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Everyone's calling him the new James White. Probably makes a lot of sense. But it'll be interesting to see if there's enough targets around go around to support a true pass catcher that's felt fantasy relevant. Uh, Ramaji Stevenson, because of the Sony Michelle news, he's now gone. We just talked about Sony Michelle, but Stevenson is someone that is interesting. If Damian Harris falters early, is there a shot that he takes over at some point? And the last guy is Tony Jones. I don't think a lot of people know who Tony Jones is, but he's pushing Latavius Murray for that backup job behind Alvin Kamara. So. What's your thoughts on this group or any of these guys on your radar now? And are you willing to take them at their ADPs? Yeah. So Gio, I absolutely love Gio. I think he really is going to be the new James White role, if you will, for Tom Brady. So uh, what we've seen from the Buccaneers ever since they brought Brady in is Tom Brady gets what Tom Brady wants. And last year he targeted running backs and they did not impress with those targets. So I feel like, you know, Brady said, get me a pass catching running back and they got Gio Bernard. Now, is he going to be giving you weak winning performances? Probably not, but he's a guy you can throw into your flex and feel comfortable that he's not going to just give you that goose egg on a week to week. So I do like Gio Bernard for that. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, I actually, I love the talent. Um, I was a big fan of him in the draft process. I just, I still... After years and years, the uh, the New England backfield jigsaw puzzle is always so hard to figure out. So I've been kind of avoiding him now that he's rising. We touched on Sony Michelle a little bit earlier. Um, but Tony Jones, if you are a zero RB type drafter or you want that um, lottery ticket kind of, kind of pick, I like him. And you say people didn't know who he was. I'll be completely honest. Two weeks ago, I is probably the first time I heard his name, too. Um, but he's done good in the preseason, looked up some of his college stuff, and 
you know, he's been one of those grinders that's sticking around, and it does sound like he has that number two job now. So I like him as that zero RB could be an RB one if the if, if Kamara goes down. Sky, give us your two cents on these late round running backs. Are any of these guys on your radar? I know you talked a little bit about Jones earlier in the week, so give us your thoughts overall. Yeah, we'll start up at the top here. So Gio Bernard, I've been a fan of Gio for a long time. He's been been behind Joe Mixon, but when he's jumped in in Cincinnati over the last couple of years and, you know, just a game or two or a half or whatever, when Mixon's missed time, he's been able to shoulder a, a load, and he's not going to have to do that in Tampa at all. I mean, I'd be shocked if he gets <laughs> – 20 carries on the year, but he's going to be able to be, you know, the current version of the quote unquote James White. And while I don't see him being the, you know, PPR running back eight that James White was a couple of years ago, I do definitely see Gio Bernard being a huge asset that unfortunately Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette were not able to be for Tom Brady last year. So just another weapon for Brady there. I do like Gio late. Ramondre Stevenson, Look, man, rookie running back. He's buried on the depth chart. Patriots backfield. I like Damian Harris like everybody else does. J.J. Taylor's popped off as maybe like the the J- James White starting next year. James White is still there. But 7.7 yards per carry. Can't get away from it. I know it's the preseason. A 93-yard touchdown run definitely helps. But four rushing touchdowns as well. Ramondre Stevenson is, is turning into, you know, he he's making – the Patriots go away from him versus give him play time. And you love to see that with the rookie. And if he just has a LeGarrette blunt role, right. And if he's just the goal line, Cam Newton guy without Cam Newton on the field, he's going to have some back end fantasy relevance. Sony Michelle, I've been, you and I have been over this, Bobby. No, thank you. Um, still not interested. Unfortunately, loved him coming out of Georgia. Him and Chubb were absolutely phenomenal as a duo there. He's actually a great pass catcher. They just never used him like that for the Patriots. So if they do that with him and the Rams, he might have spike value that nobody knows about yet, but I don't trust the knees, unfortunately. I'm going to stay away from that. And then Tony Jones, you're right, man. I've loved Latavius Murray for the last couple of years. I mentioned you know, last year Alvin Kamara went out two weeks. Latavius Murray was the number one overall running back week seven and eight when he filled in there with plenty of work. So Latavius might get it done, but fresher legs, younger body, better pass catcher. Tony Jones could be somebody to look at, especially if Alvin Kamara goes down. Okay, before we get into our ad read here, I'm going to give a shout out. Of course, we do have a uh, a question in here. Samuel Jakobowicz has been waiting for us a little bit. I want to jump in this quickly. It's related to the Buccaneers. We've talked a lot about the Bucs. We've been kind of dancing around it, but I want to ask this really quick here. Aaron, we'll go to you first here. Should I trade Julio Jones and Robbie Anderson for Chris Godwin? I already have Mike Evans. I feel like I've, I'm stacked everywhere else on my team, but I like the safety of the Bucks offense. Unfortunately, we don't know if this is PPR, non-PPR. Let's assume maybe half to split the difference. Either way, we'll think redraft. In Dynasty, this is a no-brainer, I think. In redraft, are you going with Julio and Robbie Anderson? Ship them out, bring in Chris Godwin. Um, yeah, so it says he has Mike Evans already. So for that, and for assuming redraft, I would stick with Julio and Robbie Anderson. Uh, personally, I think Julio still got enough left in the tank. Um, Robbie Anderson, not not huge on him, but I think he's going to be getting those targets. Um, he might be targeted as many times as Godwin this year or close to it. Um, and if you're talking redraft, I'm not a big fan of having two receivers on the same team because even when you start them it's not frequent that both of them return a good week and then you feel so bad if it's like hey yeah, all right Mike Evans had two touchdowns in 100 yards and Chris Godwin had 64 yards today like that's just not a great feeling so I would stick with the Julio Robbie side Bobby quick thoughts yeah, I'm, I mean, the problem is I don't know what the two-for-one means, right? So who is is Robbie Anderson your flex, and then who are you plugging in there to replace him? So I kind of don't know, to be honest with you. But in a vacuum, let's just say, for example, you have a comparable guy to fill in. I would technically take Godwin over Julio in a vacuum. So I've always been on the mindset just to take the best guy. So I might actually take the deal and take Godwin in this scenario. All right, I'm actually going to pass as well. I'm higher on Julio than I think everybody else. Uh, we've talked about that already on the show. I've got him at 13. I know that's rich, but can't fade my man Julio. And I'm a little bit lower on Godwin as well. He's at 17. Robbie Anderson's back in like the late 20s, early 30s. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Robbie Anderson this year, assuming it's redraft, of course. Okay, we'll bring the boys back in just a second. But first, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at the Jersey Jungle. 
Make sure to hit them up on Instagram for your authentic jerseys. These are stitch and twill, high-quality jerseys right behind me on the wall today. You can see on YouTube, you can catch my man Justin Herbert and Colin Kaepernick this week, both from the Jersey Jungle. I have many, many jerseys. As you all know, when you watch the show, I swap those out weekly. Hit them up on Instagram. That's where they handle their business. My man Trenton can be found at the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Use the promo code TCK to receive 10% off of one or two jerseys, 15% off of three jerseys. Here's the deal, folks. A jersey, one jersey on NFL.com, 120 to 150 bucks for the Stitch and Twill high-quality jersey. Jersey Jungle has the same exact jersey for 60 bucks. Use our promo code, get 10% off of that. You can basically get three jerseys for the price of one on NFL.com. Hit up the Jersey Jungle. I wouldn't lie to you. This is high-quality product. I have them myself. They're right behind me. You can see them. Hit up the Jersey Jungle, 10 to 15% off promo code TCK on Instagram, the Jersey Jungle. All right, folks. So now we're going to go into the fallers. Now this is kind of key here because there's a lot of times where guys will keep falling and everybody has the same mindset. I don't want him. He'll slip to another round. And that's where you find some good value. So we want to just highlight some of these guys, number one, to see if they're falling for a good reason, and two, to see if there's any value here. So this is kind of break down some of the guys we're going to talk about on your screen here. In the first couple rounds, the first guy I want to talk about is Saquon Barkley. He is now going outside the top 12. So he's going at, on average, pick 13 in drafts, which is very interesting. According to NFC ADP, he's actually still going at 12, 13, that area. So he's already going very late in that first round. And like Sky brought up a little bit earlier, that elite talents. But now he's going at a little bit of a discount. So, Aaron, what's your thoughts on Saquon Barkley? Is he someone that you're willing to buy at that one-two turn? Yeah, if I can get him at the turn, I'm going to take him. So my whole, my whole thing with Saquon is – the only thing that really gives me pause is Jason Garrett and the coaching staff <laughs> and, and the offensive scheme and how it's going to run. The whole injury coming back, is he 100%? Are we going to ease him in? And all that just, we've been hearing that that beat over and over. This is just coming out of the um, my own you know thought process here, but I think they did not want to have the expectations that, yeah, Saquon's going to come back and be 100%. They were kind of hedging, oh, yeah, maybe he'll be ready. And, and um, you know, they were being cautious with it. I think he is going to be out there week one. No, I don't think he's going to be getting 90% of the carries or 90% of the snaps. But I think that he is he is one of the top elite world-class athletes in the NFL. Um, if it was taking him at pick four or pick five or pick eight or nine, I'd be nervous. But – if I get him at 12 or 13, I know I'm going to be able to get another guy right there at the turn that I can, I can trust. If I want to go to RBs and get another safe guy right there and just having that ceiling, like there's only what three running backs that have this true ceiling that Saquon does, especially with his pass catching ability. So at that cost, I'm okay taking him. In a best case scenario, Aaron, I totally agree with you. Unfortunately, I can't get the butterflies out of my gut. And this time of year, I have to listen to them. I've been doing this too long to have gut feelings going into a draft and go, but Saquon's amazing. And then I draft him and it backfires. And you know what? He could be, again, he could be top three, but I can't get away from this. I've done a lot of research. We covered the Giants a few weeks back and we covered the NFC East. And he was my dud in the first five rounds of that division. And here's why. Obviously, tore the ACL in week two of last year. Looks to be healthy-ish. My problem is we look – okay, everyone talks about, well, you know, Adrian Peterson, right, came back, 2,000 yards, yada, yada. Fair enough. The dude's a robot. He's almost 40 years old, still playing running back in the NFL-ish. Dalvin Cook came back, looked good for a minute, but then he tore out his hamstrings because your leg is just not ready to go. And I know that Saquon's quads are different, but I'm worried about that. 2019, we'll throw out last year, 2019 – he was 60th in fantasy points per opportunity, which combines total fantasy points divided by running back carries and touches. So unfortunately, terribly inefficient. I'm sure it had nothing to do with him, but the Giants 32nd ranked offensive line per pro football focus. They rank in the bottom eight in passing and rushing. I don't trust Daniel Jones. I don't trust this offense. I don't trust Jason Garrett. I'm really uh, concerned about Saquon overall. I'm not going to draft him because he won't fall to where I'm comfortable with it. And I'll look from afar. If he blows up, I'm all in next year. I'm willing to I'm willing to wait it out, but I'm not willing to go against my gut feeling. And unfortunately, it hasn't turned around yet for me. 
Some positive things for Saquon Barkley is Wayne Gallman over the last half of the season averaged 4.7 yards per carry. Wayne Gallman, everyone. So there is a little hope that Barkley could be an efficient player behind this offensive line with Jason Garrett. All right, so let's hop over to our next guy. And it's probably due to injury, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is now slipping again. He's falling towards the back of the second round after he was finally going in the middle of the second round. So theoretically, you might be a CMC Dalvin Cook drafter, and you might be able to follow it up with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the second round. So, Aaron, what are your thoughts on CEH? Are you a believer, number one? And number two, are you buying him if he slips all the way to that 2-3 turn? Yeah, again, uh, sort of the same thing. I He's falling back down there, and it is the injury reaction. Uh, I haven't seen the latest reports, but I think he's back on the practice field. I believe I saw that. Um, and if that's the case, if he gets the full full bill of health to go week one, which I know if you're drafting right now, you're, you're not going to know. Um, but, yeah, two, three turn, I'm okay with him there. Uh, and it's nice that you're not – it's not like last year where you're spending a first-round pick on him. That offense is just – if we have to, you know, hedge our bets, that's probably going to be the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Worst case scenario, they're going to be top five, right? So if you get the running back in that system in his second year, as long as he is healthy, and again, I'm a little bit more comfortable with him because it's a, a small injury, right? It's or, for, as far as I understand, it's a smaller injury. So yeah, two three turn. The later, the better, but. Uh, when he was starting to climb back up, it looked like I think he was getting towards the beginning of the second round. That's a little sketchier. But right now, I as my running back, who start off with a two-star running backs, I'm okay with that. I think a big thing with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is his touchdowns. Last year, this guy barely scored on all his touches, but one of the key factors is inside the five. Last year, he was one of the very few players that saw over eight carries inside the five. He only converted one for touchdowns. Now, that is something to note because about 40% conversion rate is the conversion rate for carries inside the five to touchdowns for league average. So for him to be all the way down close to like that 12% range, it's an outlier. He's going to improve. Even if he gets three more touchdowns, you're going to see him already start floating into that low-end RB2 range. But then all the progression, his second year, the second year in Andy Reid's scheme, the all the improvements they made up front. They Joe Thune coming in. Yes. That's a good point. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Brown, Thune, all those guys. And then, of course, I know Sammy Watkins isn't a big factor. And, yes, Sammy Watkins wasn't the, you know, the be- biggest name. But at the same time, that's one less pass catcher in the passing game that uh, Patrick Mahomes trusts. And I think that could help Clyde and solidify his pass game role. So let's move on to another player and going in the top few rounds. It's DeAndre Swift. Now, Swift has kind of come like a popular punching bag. I don't know. I think a lot of people are saying because Jared Goff and Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell said he wants to bite off kneecaps. If that doesn't say a running back's going to succeed in an offense, I don't know what is. So right now today, Swift is starting to go. He was going in the middle of the third. Now we're starting to see him going towards the end of the third. Now, at some point, he's going to become a ridiculous value. So at the back of the third round, what do you think, Aaron? Are you willing to buy DeAndre Swift in this range? I, I've been one of the guys uh, punching at Swift all offseason, I feel like. we. Uh, Me too. Yeah, you know, we do a, a, a fantasy court series with the ballers, and uh, I wrote uh, the – I was against him, writing against uh, uh, fellow writer Jeff Greenwood, who is a gigantic Swift truther, but not me. Um I know we're not great at projecting these things, uh, but I just think that the Lions offense is going to be so hard to trust. And the coaching staff and Anthony Lynn and Jamal Williams, I think is going to be, he's not going to be the number one back and whatever that a back stuff was in the early off season. But I think, I mean, they signed him intentionally bring him in to be part of the offensive plan. Um, I have him as my running back 18. So he's not buried His one saving grace, I think, is that he's going to be getting targeted a lot. He might be one of the most targeted receivers, or excuse me, most targeted running backs in the NFL because Detroit lost all their receivers. So, but still, third round, I I don't like him there. If he falls to the fourth, depending on how I drafted my team, I'm okay with him there. I think he's going to be safe, but I don't think he's going to be that reliable running back one or even like a low end running back two for me. So where he's at, no thank you. Sky, yep. give us your thoughts yep. on yeah, I know you're a Swift guy. You've been talking against Swift for a while. So tell us a little bit about Swift and your thoughts. Yeah, I'm a Jamal Williams guy is what I am. Um Jamal Williams comes in for two years, seven and a half million dollars. Jamal Williams is a backup. Okay. I do not think that he is going to surpass DeAndre Swift without an injury 
Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying, though, is follow the money. $7.5 million for any running back that's not elite is a lot of money. We know we don't pay running backs in the NFL. 7.5 for a backup to come in. They chose their guy who did have flashes in Green Bay, I think says a lot about what they want to do. Anthony Lynn traditionally has wanted to run a committee. I think they continue to do that. And unfortunately, I've been mentioning this constantly. Saquon Barkley is a huge part of this, right? There's other running backs who are coming in with injuries, and that bothers me when I'm drafting in the first three rounds. DeAndre Swift coming in with an injury. Dan Campbell just the other day said that they don't know if he's going to be there week one. Okay, we'll say he sits week one and we get 16 more games. Fantastic. Yes, he's probably going to catch a lot of passes, but do I think he's Austin Eckler? No, I don't. I also don't think he's Melvin Gordon. So while he's very talented, I don't trust this offense. I don't trust Jared Goff. Um, I actually, you know, Jared Goff's from my hometown, so I've been watching him for a very long time, and I just don't think he's that good. I don't trust this offense to move and get into scoring opportunity a lot. So unless he, you know, catches 80-plus balls and, you know, he gets double-digit touchdowns, I just don't see him being a weekly benefit. He might finish as a you know top 12 running back out of volume if he stays healthy after the fact. But with Jamal Williams, with this offense, and with him coming in with an injury, which you never like to see, I'm just going to fade him. I've got him at 19. And again, I'm pricing myself out of drafting DeAndre Swift. I don't see it happening this year. All right, so we're going to kick it on over to more of the middle rounds now. And one of the guys we're going to talk about next is Daryl Henderson. I know the signing of Sony Michelle, the thumb injury, a lot of worry here. And I think we might be overreacting to a thumb injury for a running back. But currently today, he is going now in the fifth round again. So he fell into the fourth. Now he's back to the fifth. So he's starting to see some value here, especially if you take guys, for example, like a Tyreek Hill in the second round instead of a second running back or a Stephon Diggs. This might be a guy you can get as your RB2 if you load up on some receivers. So what are your thoughts, Aaron, on Daryl Henderson? Are you buying that dip in the 4-5 turn into the fifth round? Yeah, I like how you brought up the uh, the thumb injury. I thought that was a weird overall reaction that he dropped so far. I'm like, it's not broken, and it's his thumb. So I think he can run the ball okay still. Um, overall, yeah, so I had a, a draft that I did on Tuesday night where I picked him as my running back two, and I was feeling great about it. Wednesday morning is when that trade came through, I think. So now I'm not feeling as good about it. But I think that was that was a fourth-round pick. In the fifth, depending on how I build my team, uh, and I guess the way I build my teams usually, I probably won't be taking a running back in that zone. Um, those middle round, that running back dead zone that's been going uh, throughout kind of the offseason, I'm just not a big fan of it. So I am okay with Daryl Henderson. Like, he's fine. If he's your third running back, I think you're in probably a pretty good spot. But – just the way it falls, I don't usually have him. I, I think, like I said, kind of at the at the beginning, I don't think Sony Michelle is going to take over this job, but I think he's going to be annoying enough to be kind of like how Malcolm Brown was in the past. And he's going to just take some of that valuable work away that neither of them are going to be a guy you really want to start every week. You know what the thing is for Henderson that can't get out of my mind is Akers was going in the first round. Like, you know, last year, if you want to just talk about a per-touch basis, Henderson was the better player. I mean, we don't want to pretend like that's true or not, but it is a fact. So for it, the fifth round, I just feel like when I'm there at the fifth, I'm like, you know what? The Rams, especially in the red zone, are run heavy. Did it with Todd Gurley for a long time, and we saw little flashes with the Akers last year, and I'm just thinking to myself, in the fifth round, if I'm willing to buy Akers at the one, first one-two turn, I don't think the drop-off's that significant that now I can get this guy in the fifth. That's why I'm, I feel like I'm buying Henderson. So we're, we're going to move on. We talked a lot about running backs. There's some receivers out there that are falling a little bit too. But let's talk a little bit about Jamar Chase. You know, early season, everyone was super excited. This guy's like the next Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones. Well, now all of a sudden he starts dropping the ball a little bit. Doesn't get the, you know, camp reports you like to hear. They got Tyler Boyd. They got T. Higgins. Now we're seeing him fall into the sixth round. So now you're getting a little bit more of a discount on Jamar Chase. So, Aaron, what's your thoughts on Chase? Are you willing to buy him in the sixth round? Not in the sixth, I'm not. I like Chase a lot, but I think that Justin Jefferson kind of broke us last year with the way he performed as a rookie. Uh, like, that's not that's not going to happen. A guy that you're drafting that high, you need to contribute right away. I think he's going to be just fine. I would like to have him on my team, but not, not there. I, I can't take him that early in a draft, especially in that offense. I think Higgins is going to be the number one guy, and Tyler Boyd's not going away. So pass at that cost. I, I'm going to go the, – the reality is you love Tyler Boyd, Bobby. You've had 12 episodes on Tyler Boyd. I would have just as many on T. Higgins. 
I like the talent for Jamar Chase. I think it happens long-term. I don't think it happens this year. And even if it does, not right away. I have Jamar Chase at 36. ECR expert consensus ranking has him at 26. I have Tyler Boyd at 26, and I've got T. Higgins, the top of the Bengals chart in my rankings, at 21. So I'll take T. Higgins all day long. And I will take Tyler Boyd over Jamar Chase right now. The drops are the drops. We mentioned this last episode. You know, Devontae Adams had drop issues. Amari Cooper had drop issues. Deontay Johnson had drop issues. Nobody cares this year about that, right? Jamar Chase, the drops are not why you shouldn't like Jamar Chase. A rookie wide receiver in general. Joe Burrow's not 100%. There's a plenty of others to feed, and they might feed Joe Mixon as well. I'm just going to pass on Jamar Chase. Another player I'm willing to just kind of like – it might blow in my face, but I'm willing to take that risk. I'm going to pass. All right, let's jump over to another running back, and this guy is going to be uh, Mike, Michael Carter. And Michael Carter, listen, early on the offseason, there's a lot of been a good buzz about him in training camp and practice, and then the preseason game comes, and it's Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. So now he's kind of falling. He was going around pick 75. He's falling at 80. He might even start falling into that eighth-round range. So I guess my thought is, are you buying this Michael Carter's not the starter thing? Do you think he's worth a draft pick in that range for the second half of the year if he does become the starter? What's your thoughts, Aaron? Uh, I don't think he's worth drafting right now because I don't think he's going to be the starter right away. Uh, I think he will take over the backfield. So, again, kind of know your league and see where you can get him. Uh, if he's falling and falling, there's a point I'll take him. But in the single-digit round still, I think that's too much. I think the Jets' backfield is going to be – um, frustrating for the first half of the year, if not the, the whole year. Um, I do think their offense is going to be better than people think it's going to be. I do kind of believe in that coaching staff. I think Zach Wilson has shown a lot in the preseason. But Michael Carter is a guy that I would rather pick up on the waivers in week five than draft in the single-digit rounds. You know what the thing is? Yeah, go ahead. Scott, I, I, just, I just want to say I 100% agree. No, so my thing is, too, like, I'm a Melvin Gordon guy. He's going after him. I'm probably going to pull the trigger on Gordon. And in that range, too, there's some really good receivers. Corey Davis, we just talked about, is now going in that range. I would rather have Corey Davis. So there's a couple guys, too, like Zach Moss as well, that I'm willing to take on, who I think will have more work early on. I'm trying to win games early. Fantasy football is hard enough to hope at week eight that I'm going to have the RB1 or something. So I think I'm just going to go with the guys I think are going to give me the most right away. So let's touch on one more guy, and that guy is going to be Dallas Goddard. Now, Dallas Goddard, because Zach Ertz hasn't left, everyone already planned Dallas Goddard as like the next breakout guy. He was like consensus seven, even some cases going sooner in ADP. But now that Zach Ertz is around, it sounds like he isn't going anywhere. So is Dallas Goddard now falling all the way to outside the top 100? Are you still in on Dallas Goddard? Do you think he could succeed with Zach Ertz? For the full season, I am so far out on Goddard. So as soon as uh, I don't know what late July hit, and then training camp, and Zach Ertz was still around, it, I mean every red flag possible. And then I mean let's not forget that Devonta Smith is probably going to lead this team in targets. Uh, maybe Jalen Rager takes a step forward. Like Dallas Goddard is not going to be an elite tight end. He's going to be one of those frustrating tight ends, and you can get another one of those guys with your last pick if you want. So I have him crashing down my rankings. He's a tight end 14. Like, I, I don't want any part of him right now. You know what the craziest part about Dallas Goddard for me is that Zach Ertz still in his 11 games last year when he was healthy and played, he out-targeted mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard was a part-time player. And plus, we, when we see this offense coming over for Nick Sirianni, last year they had three tight ends where they mixed in and out, and then none of them were really good for fantasy, but all of them somehow were top 36 tight ends but none of them were fantasy relevant because they monopolized each other. The one thing I will say, though, is Smith already got hurt once. Rager's been in and out of the lineup, too, also. So I think, you know, Watkins is nice. Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback. It's very risky to take pass catchers in that scenario anyway, but it's hard enough to have two stud tight ends as a tight end one. So, for example, I looked into this. You know, you have to go back to, like, the Eagles did it once, and then so 2011 Patriots were the only two teams – in the since 2011, they have two guys finish in the top 12. So if you think that Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz are going to be involved, how involved? So it's like the ceiling's already capped. I'm going to swing it over to Sky before we head out. Yeah. So Dallas Goddard, I have him right now at number 12. Uh, he's fallen quite a bit as well. And honestly, if if Adam Troutman ends up healthy, I will move Troutman up above him as well. So he'll fall out of my top 12. 
Um, ECR has him at number 19, or excuse me, number nine in PPR still. Dallas Goddard's been effective when given the ball. He's a talented player. He can make the plays. But you look, I know everybody sent Zach Ertz out of town, but the Philadelphia Eagles didn't, and that matters. And he might end up on the Colts halfway through the season, but he isn't yet. And until that happens, I'm just not going to – I'm not going to end up drafting Dallas Goddard. Now, I will say, though, um, you know, Aaron mentioned earlier he's in 37 or 38 best ball drafts. Um, I've had – hundreds of mock drafts over the last two months or so i just you know flip on the the you know buzz through them in five or ten minutes and do different strategies dallas goddard went from like the sixth seventh you know round uh in the middle tight ends earlier this summer and he's going i mean 10th 11th 12th sometimes i know what the adp we're looking at currently but in mock drafts sometimes i'm just like i'm, I'm i forgot about tight end three rounds ago and i'll just see him on my queue like Oh, he's still around. All right. Like, yeah, I'll take a guy that could catch, you know, two touchdowns in, in 60 yards any given week. I'll take that guy in the in the 12th round. So, you know, if he's a guy that if he falls, continues to just plummet out, then sure, I'll scoop him just because if I go late round tight end. But he's no longer somebody that I would, you know, I'm excited about. When Ertz was on his way out of town, Dallas Goddard was somebody that I would have loved to have. Uh, as that middle round guy behind Hawkinson and Andrews and Pitts or whatever, number seven easily, and now he's down to 12. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, so we broke down our risers and fallers for the current ADP. We've only got two weeks until kickoff, so we're getting to the nitty-gritty here. We're really fine-tuning our average draft positions and ECRs and everything else. Aaron, is there anything else about any one of these players or anybody else. Again, you're doing a ton of best ball drafts. That's where you really get like quality ADP as well. Is there any other player that maybe just pops off the page that maybe we didn't talk about today who you've seen in the last maybe month or so skyrocket or fall down or somebody that your surprise is lower or higher when you're doing mock drafts or best? Any final players that you want to mention real quick before we get out of here? The only guy I really want to mention that um, I've been big on all off season, and I haven't—I don't think he's moved a whole lot in ADP, but I really think DJ Moore. Like, you know, you hear it every year, but I think this is the year that DJ Moore makes that big leap. Like, he's his yardage has been ridiculous over the last two years. I think it kind of goes unnoticed because of the touchdown thing. And I know we're putting a little faith in uh, Sam Darnold to get him there, but I think that this is the year that he gets six to eight to nine touchdowns, 1,200 yards, and he is a guy I have. Um, I think I have him as my wide receiver, like 13. So I've got him just outside Ooh. that wide receiver one territory. That's hot. I like that. He's had <laughs> he's had at least 175 receiving yards the last two years, but unfortunately just four touchdowns in just yeah. two his rookie year. I do believe in Sammy D. I think they all bounce back. And, of course, Christian McCaffrey is going to help that entire offense. Also, keep an eye out from a man, Terrace Marshall out there in Carolina as well. All right, man, we appreciate you following along here. Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. We appreciate you. Hey, do us a favor, please. Let uh, let Andy, Mike, and Jason know that they're welcome here on the TCK pod. <laughs> Anytime they're helping to come out here. I think they're kind of busy this time of year, but uh, maybe, when things, maybe when things kick down a little bit, we can uh, get them over for a barbecue, and we'll head down to, to Phoenix if we need to and go find them. But we appreciate having you on, man. Please remind everybody with the Fantasy Focus Network and the TCK pod, once again, where you can find all your work. Yeah, so like I said, uh, once the season starts, I'll have a target report article I do every week uh, with the ballers that basically just goes over the notable target performances, good or bad, from the week. I think those kind of get lost sometimes. You get caught in the fantasy points. You get caught in the actual catches and receptions. But they'll be like targets are an indicator. If a guy's getting seven, eight targets every week, the the points are going to come. So that's one of my favorite things. I've been writing that for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, that comes out every week. Um, with the team rise or fall, I'm going to be doing some DFS stuff, some stacking articles, that sort of thing. And then, um, like I said, my own podcast, The Process, Fantasy Football. That's exactly what I do. It's uh, Wednesday night. I dump all the things I looked at all week into the microphone, the matchups, net percentages, targets, road home splits, Vegas lines, all that stuff, and kind of just parse out what I like for the week. So that's uh, what's keeping me busy during the season. Well, we appreciate your work, brother. Thank you so much. Aaron Larson, staff writer, and obviously many other things in the fantasy community there. Make sure you go follow the Fantasy Focus Network on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Instagram, 
You can also find us on Twitch as well and the TCK pod, Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on all avenues as well. You can find Bobby and I on Twitter at our names, Sky Guasco and Bobby Lamarco, of course. Find our man Aaron Larson as well, AA Larson on Twitter. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll be back and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. For Aaron Larson and Bobby Lamarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.